hopefully everybody's having a good Saturday morning if you're up and about. And if you hear this at a future time, then hopefully you're having a good day, functional day, uh, just working towards being fit for the kingdom of God. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 1, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. That was a quick episode. <laughs> Well, we do thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Reveal. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't um, stop that from circling back around, and I was just thinking about how we do the uh, the nice what we call the niceties, and they well, good morning, how you doing? How's your day? And I. Uh, I was just thinking, you know, we really don't need to do that. If uh, something's on your mind and we're going to talk about it, we'll talk about it. It's uh, a lot of times that's still from the programming in the subconscious of you just always greet somebody with that good day, good day. And and again, if you really want to uh, encourage somebody to have a good day, then don't you don't have to say it you just make their life uh make what you do for them what's best for them and you can't make somebody have a good day i can't make somebody have a good day you can't make me have a good day and it goes back to a lot of the things that we've talked about how somebody else can't make you mad somebody else can't make you sad you determine in your mind by situations and circumstances of whether a situation is going to make you mad or it's going to make you uh, happy. And here's just a quick aspect that just came to mind about the proof. One of the aspects of proof that a situation does not determine happiness or sadness or anger or that it's all within your mind and uh, absolute truth because for a situation happens and for one person they're happy and all joyous and the other person's uh, mad and upset and almost any sporting event you go to the team that you're rooting for you know, football scores a touchdown, soccer scores a goal, baseball gets a home run, and you're just, oh, yeah, all right. But what if you're on the, you're rooting for the opposing team? 
then you're upset. You're mad. I've seen videos where people punch their TV because, uh, you know, somebody lost a game and somebody not even there, they're not even attached to. Uh, maybe they bet money on it or something like that. But that's just proof that it's not the circumstance. Somebody scoring a touchdown does not make everybody mad. Somebody doing something does not make everybody mad. It's you who shape it in your mind and you take things like sports, uh, competition sports to be, uh, you, you take too much ownership of it as though it's your life. And that's a lot of times people want to have victory in their life. And when their team's losing, then they lose control. So it's just a, a thought that came to mind about that aspect. Um, you ever hear this in a sporting event? Somebody will like a team and they'll say, we, man, we did good today, man. We, yeah, because that you, you put yourself as your and, and then you, you get all, cause I've done this. You get all frustrated at the, I can't stand those people. And then when you're done, it's back in the, just another one of those file folders that you open up and look into it. And then you put it away for, for another time. And I had this thought about the greeting part. It's so ingrained in us to be accepted that we, it's one of those where the file folder for acceptance just keeps subfolders and back to the beginning with, and this isn't just for Kane, but for everybody, Kane, if you do what is right, you'll be accepted because do you wake up and, and Yah says, good morning, Philip, how you doing? Hope you have a good day. They do tell you by well, you're accepted. So you're accepted. So why do I need to keep saying you're accepted? You're accepted. You're accepted over and over again to where do you not know that you're accepted? Well, if you don't, then go back to our word that says you do what is right. I don't need to say anything. And that, that just came to mind that it's so ingrained that, well, I just want to make sure that you know that I accept you. And if you did that and said, Hey, I just want to let you know you're accepted. Well, why wouldn't I be accepted? And people, that's the thing. People don't even know why they say good morning. Cause uh, me and my wife were talking yesterday and it's just like, she made a, a comment, like, you don't know what you're doing. And I said, you don't know what you're doing either. Well, you don't know what you're, and I was like, no, I'm not. Cause you're, you're not getting where I'm, I would be going by truth with this is that, that people think they know what they're doing, but they don't not saying you don't know anything that you're doing, but people really don't know. And that's why Messiah made it clear when they were crucifying him, that father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't in their conscious mind know why they're put. If they did, Oh my gosh, no, what are we doing? We're no, but they don't know that. And they're not capable of doing that. So I'm just forgive them. You'll take care of it. You know, don't worry about it. But that was the thing that came to mind with the greeting is really evaluate. Is it really necessary or is there something going on in your lower conscience that you want to make sure you're accepted by the other person or you're not sure. So it just, the depth of the programming is just huge because how many people would get mad when you don't tell them good morning? Well, I told you good morning. I know. Well, why didn't you say it back? There's no reason to say it back. Why? Oh, so you're oh, okay. So that's where you're going to be. And like, what are you getting all upset about? Just because you weren't greeted a certain way. You, do you need that for some reason? And just, just a thought on the psychology of the mind, how deep the programming goes that, that, that that's a program thing that, you know, it's not that you're doing wrong by saying good morning, but it's like, is it really necessary? Why? 
Well, and that's the thing. If you don't dig into why you do it and is it really appropriate, then because not just with good morning, but with a lot of things that come out of your lower conscience, you have to evaluate them to see, is it is it appropriate for me to do this, to talk like this, to say this or feel this? Um, because it's hugely important, especially when we're looking at the concept of loving somebody else, because when you love somebody else, you're doing what's best for them, not what's best for you. Well, it's really what's best for everybody. So it's best for you. It's best for me. You may not feel it that way, but I'm truly doing it because it's best for you. But again, we've said this multiple times and we'll continue to say it, that uh, things that people don't see from a psychology perspective is that you're, you're, in the way you are, you're created to think about self. Well, there's a godly reason for that. It's okay to think about self. It's the selfishness, which selfishness is you, everything you do is for you, disregarding of how it affects somebody else. Oh, if they like it, great. But if they don't, well, that's too bad. That's your problem, not mine. And the true love of God, the true love that uh, is not known in the world is that you figure out how to do what's best for everybody, which means that there are times where you have to sacrifice your selfishness and do things because it really is the best for everybody, not just the best for you. And this isn't something that people go around thinking about what they're doing. It's same thing. Like you, you say something to your wife and then she says something back. Well, well, why? Because she feels like you're attacking her and then she's going to attack you because you, you, because you're affecting me and I'm not thinking about the broad picture that how is this true? How does this really speak to the situation? And am I, uh, when I re, uh, retaliate, am I just in what I'm doing? And I can tell you that most times in your knee jerk reaction, you know, people say, go with your gut. A lot of times in your knee jerk reaction, <clears throat> That's just coming out of your subconscious. You don't even, you don't think about the words that you're saying and how they're going to hurt that other person before you say them. You say them because of what they said to you and how it hurts you. And then they receive it the same way. And now we have fights and quarrels because of selfishness and whether you want to accept it or not, anybody that seeks God with all of their heart will figure this out that you are riddled with selfishness uh, because, but, but there's a reason because the reason you are after self is because of your survival instinct. You, you've been given a survival instinct. Every single person who's born has been given the survival instinct, which is you're trying to do anything and everything 
to survive. And we're not just talking physical life, we're talking eternal life. And this is why the hatred and the anger and all these things that are going on in the world that aren't necessary, but they're going, well, they, they are necessary because without the hatred and anger going on, then uh, Messiah coming would have meant nothing. And we would still just not have any place that we could go after we perish. And people need to know that we're, we are eternal beings. But this aspect of selfishness, which we about as being the thing that you have to crucify on the cross, that you have to put to death your selfishness, not put to death self, because where it's appropriate, yourself is good to uh, enjoy the good things along with somebody else as long as it's a benefit for both of us. And But everybody has to get on the page of faith with God for you to be able to recognize that some of the things that come to you that don't feel good is what's best for you. It's not somebody attacking you trying to put you down. It's somebody telling you what the truth is, because like for us with the golden rule, if I see it in somebody else, I evaluate it in myself first. I deal with it with my, with myself. Then I talk to you about it. Now I got a completely different story. But if I see you doing something and I just get on you about it and tell you, you need to stop and that's it. Well, that's why am I doing that? Because of the selfishness that's within me. That's the the sin. What caused Eve to disobey God and eat the fruit? Selfishness. Because she was told that, oh, the fruit's gonna it's gonna give you the ability to be like God. Why well, wanna I wanna be like God? Why would you want to be like God? Well, then I can live forever. Well, God told you how to live forever. Don't eat the tree. And then you will be able, they didn't, God didn't specifically tell them about the tree of life in the middle of the garden, but they, uh, both of them, not, not just Eve, she just happened to be the first one that ate of it, but both of them did it for selfish reasons. And you could look at Adam where she ate the fruit and she didn't physically die. And he's like, this is this is good for knowledge and understanding she said it is and so i want that setting aside what is truly best for everybody which is obedience to god but you can't do that if you're working towards selfishness and this is why the word says trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding because your understanding without true faith in God is not going to make it. And this brings this selfishness within you is what's bringing the fights and quarrels. That's when, when it says, you know, why, why are there fights and quarrels among you talking to people who are claiming faith in Messiah at the time? Why are there fights and quarrels among you? when somebody does you wrong, why not rather be wronged instead of fight about it? Let God handle it. Let God take care of it. That way 
uh, you'll handle it appropriately because God's the one that will do everything that is right for everybody, even if it causes them pain. You can't argue with me with that fact. Not, Not you, not that you would, but anybody can't argue with the fact that, see, God is a great example of showing that they will do what is best for everybody, even if it causes them pain. You, you tell me that there's not pain in you giving up your your only son to be ridiculed, beaten, and killed in the physical sense. Yeah, they they that that didn't feel good to them, but it was best for everybody. It was best for them. It was best for us. It was best for everybody. And that's why God operates from the perspective that they do. You and I and people don't understand the godly uh, understanding until mother starts teaching it to you. And you want to be careful with what comes out of your lower conscience because that's where your muscle memory is. That's the heart of who you are. And what comes out of the mouth is overflow of the heart. And you don't think before you speak. Most people don't think before they speak. That's why a lot of times people will lie about something. And then when they start getting questioned about it, they have to keep lying to cover up the lies. Well, eventually you forget some of the lies that you told. And you show as a fool because you're lying instead of just being honest in the very beginning. And because the, the, the longer things go on of people lying to each other, the worse it gets. The, the more you have to lie because now it's, it's worse because I've told, I didn't tell one lie. I told a thousand lies. So now I got to answer for that. I don't want to have to answer for that. And so I have to come up with another lie and another lie and get caught up in that. People don't see it because it's a, it's a self-preservation thing you do in your lower conscience that you'll lie about something to get yourself out of a situation or to get yourself uh, away from something that's not appropriate. And all this stuff that, about today is a part of the topic of a house divided against itself. The way the scripture says, or the way it's written in the Bible, a house divided against itself cannot stand or will not stand. No, I cannot stand. Okay. But here the, the translated reality is that a house divided against itself will not stand. And a house divided is caused by everybody doing what they think is right for their own selfishness, feeling good. And then when you discover that's the case and you start to sacrifice in your life, you start to feel pain in your life for somebody else. Now you've got something. But it's not for you to make that other person get rid of their selfishness 
because they're going to have to see it and they're going to have to make the change. And then you start, when you make that change, then you start processing in improving and getting better of not having divisions, not having fights, not having quarrels, not having arguments. This doesn't mean that you don't have discussions about things because especially from a faith perspective, you have to uh, position yourself to be able to, one, show that the actions you're doing are not uh, based in selfishness. And then if what you're doing lines up with the word, then they can see that your your uh, faith is built in the truth of God rather than in, well, you're just ridiculing me and just trying to put me down. And your lower conscience, you will generally, because the way you're programmed, and when you're working in selfishness and self-preservation, your first reaction will be defense. When something doesn't feel good, it doesn't mean that it's not good for you. It just, you feel that, and then you just automatically, your subconscious jumps into place for self-preservation, and somebody you take what somebody said as an attack on you, and then you turn around and try to attack them. And it's interesting because... It will be perceived and may be perceived by people that the way we talk about Christianity, that we're attacking Christianity, uh, where in reality, we want them to come to the reality of truth and recognize that what you're doing in Christianity is not lining up with the way of Messiah, which is what it, it was in the beginning what it is now and it always will be when we refer to the church, it's the way of Messiah. And that's why we have many false churches out there because they're not following Messiah's way. They're following that they decided it was the thing to do and to, uh, to take control of something that wasn't theirs to take control of in the first place. And, so just with that aspect of selfishness within you that you don't deal with, you can't help yourself until you put to death your selfishness. You can't help yourself even in the pretense of you doing what is best for somebody else. What you think in your mind is best for somebody else and you're doing it, you're actually doing because in your subconscious, somewhere there's a reason that makes it best for you. They may benefit from it, but it's best for you. And this is why it's so important that we talk about, you know, digging into the past, digging into your subconscious, figuring out uh, so that you consciously know what's in your subconscious so that you don't just uh, react you respond and responding is a huge perspective in being able to not have a house divided against itself because reaction will come from your heart. Whether, whether it's good, whether it's bad reaction will come from your heart response comes out of your conscious mind.
you will get a feeling and then you will stop and take that thought captive and evaluate it. And well, what is this going to sound like? Do I really mean what I'm, what I'm getting ready to say? Do I really mean this? And if I do, then I say it. But a lot of times we mean things in a, from a selfish perspective, which doesn't help things anyway. But you want to evaluate. And when you do an evaluation and conclude a good way to bring it out or to not bring it out, however you do it, that's what we call a response, not a reaction. And unfortunately, too many times, because of a reaction, a lot of times people will take the first thing you say or you're starting to tell them about something and they don't listen through and they respond and they start getting hateful, but they don't stop and think, is this true? And this is huge for us from the perspective of we don't want to be reacting. We want to be responding. Even if the first reaction that comes into your, or the first thing that comes to your mind in reaction is right, is true, we don't want to react because, okay, this is true of what I, what I want to say. Now, is how I want to say this the right way. Because you have reason for everything you do in your subconscious, but you don't know the reasons, things in your subconscious. The only place you can reason things out is in your conscious mind. And this is why we say you have to dig into your subconscious. You have to see it. And then you start to work that conscious reasoning with it of is this appropriate is is this behavior that i was trained in my life programmed to have and if it is how do i handle this appropriately and even before you say something a, a conversation with ya about uh, is this appropriate and you know i I've, i believe that it is but i want you to shut my mouth and silence me if it's not the truth and if you really want god to do that they'll do that They'll, they'll tell you, hold off, don't, you know, don't say that or say this or because our dependency is on the spirit to give us what we need. Uh, but there will be people who will perceive that we're attacking them because we're telling them that what they're doing is wrong and it's not appropriate and it's not going to benefit them to be in the kingdom of God. And they're going to take that as though we're attacking them rather than share with them so that they can look into it, discover the reality of it, and then make a change so that they will then be in the kingdom. And then what was done, because what do we gain? What do we gain from uh, telling Christians that they're wrong? Uh, we gain no personal satisfaction. There's now there's, there's been people who have done it for selfish reasons of, you know, because, well, if you're right, then I'm wrong and I don't want to be wrong. And this is all subconscious stuff going on. And then you fight back. But we gain nothing. Whether somebody uh, enters into the kingdom by following the truth of God, 
or they don't, we neither gain nor lose anything. The, the only time we gain and lose stuff is when we walk in either the worldly perspective or we walk in the godly perspective. When we walk in the godly perspective, we gain uh, the kingdom of God. When we walk in the worldly perspective, we lose the kingdom of God. But I can't, I can't make you lose the kingdom of God for you. And I have it either. So in the process, there's no, I don't get a reward if somebody I talk to comes to faith. That would be me doing it for the reward. Oh, I talk to people about faith because I know that there's that burning eternity that exists there, and I truly don't want you to experience that. But don't cast your pearls before the swine at times because if somebody doesn't want to hear it, then don't waste your time. Now, the only uh, exception to that rule and it's not really an exception, it's just obedience to God, is if God says, tell this person this, doesn't matter whether you know they want to hear it or not. You tell them, look, this is the way it is. And it's important stuff for people to know from the psychology of the mind that your own selfishness is why you are divided uh, whether it's by faith, whether it's by sports, whether it's by marriage, whatever it is, it's your own selfishness that's bringing the vision. And how many times do you look at the other person as being as they're the ones that are selfish? They're the ones that are causing all this problem. And no, it's if both people aren't uh, in faith seeking to do the appropriate thing according to God, then both people are operating in selfishness. And if those two people are operating in selfishness, then they're, they're going to divide. It's a, that's just a matter of fact in the midst of it. We talked about this and I'm pretty confident that we've said this on the podcast, the scripture word of God that came to mind with this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then slow to become angry. And the word doesn't say don't get angry. It's when you're slow to speak, then your anger will be controlled, which your anger will be controlled by your conscious mind. Taking every thought captive is, is crucial and make sure it lines up with the word of God. Because like you said, that if you don't take the thought captive, you will react as opposed to responding. Why did Messiah tell the people, if somebody hits you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Well, you need to have, you need to take the thought captive. Okay. This person is hitting me. They don't understand why they're hitting me. So I'm not going to strike back unless there's a reason that's fair and just to strike back. It's, it goes back to the self-control that how can you control yourself if you're just reacting to everything? And 
the reacting, like you said, it comes from the heart that you don't know what you're doing. You're just reacting, doing something because of programming, but retrain yourself in the godly way to where you can react because that's the way that Yah acts. That's what Yah does. If somebody were to say, God, if you exist, strike me dead. And they think, oh, God's just going to react and kill me. And Yah will sit there and say, no, I'm, I'm going to be patient and I'm going to respond by, I'm going to give you time to repent. And if you don't repent, then therefore what will happen to you in the end will be what was what you chose anyway. So I'm not going to be tested in this reaction thing that, no, the best thing for us and for you is for us to refrain because the hope is that you'll come to repentance and that you won't have to face everlasting punishment on the day of judgment. <clears throat> With this information about a house divided, Think about the craftiness of the enemy's work that people think that they're unified when they're divided and there's hidden division. <clears throat> Christianity will say that we're, that we're unified. How can you be unified when there's all the different brands and groups? that believe different things. You go to one person and say, what do you need to do to get saved? They'll tell you, you go to another person, they'll tell you something different. You go to another person, they'll tell you something different there. It's not a unified, <clears throat> it's not a unified understanding, but not only do you have divisions there, you have husbands and wives that are in the church that are divided and you have leadership there that are divided. You have people that have different political agendas, Republican, Democrat, selfishness things. The division just keeps going and going and going. And the way of Yah, the kingdom of Yah is unity. And if it's not unified, it's divided with the, the word that was brought out for the scripture about a house divided against itself cannot stand. And Messiah even said this, can Satan drive out Satan? No. And the way this brought about was, is that they said that, Messiah was doing an unclean spirit and he warned them and said, Hey, be careful where you're going because sins that are brought against my father and me will be forgiven, but blasphemy of mother will not be tolerated because you're saying that I have an unclean spirit. I don't do these things by an unclean spirit. I do these things by my mother who was absolutely clean because they were accusing him of doing things out of Beelzebub that he was. And that's why he said that can Beelzebub drive out Beelzebub that the only way that there can be division is if there's not unity. The truth of God is about unity that makes sure that the believers are all believing the same things, that the same things are being taught, but the word of God and its truth is not being understood in the world. So how can you have unity when you don't understand what it is to be unified? Messiah came so that you us could be unified with God. The problem is that because of sin, there's division. That Yah is without sin. Mankind has sin. There can't be unity with God where sin is still there. That's why mother through Paul be reconciled to God. Well, how can you be reconciled if you're continually doing the thing that brings division that, and that's the point of repentance for the forgiveness of sins is because there's still 
But because you're steadfast in your mind, you're doing what you can do to turn to God. God, I don't want to be divided against you anymore. I want to be unified with you. Show me what I must do to be in agreement with you. All right, well, repent and turn away from your wickedness because I'm against wickedness. So we can't be unified. And that's where the message gets lost is Messiah came to destroy the work of the devil. Well, the work of the devil is to keep people in sin because sin is disobedience. That's what brought division. Where did the division come with Adam and Eve? They were, they had the corruptible nature when they sinned, right? That brought division with God. And that's why the plan from the beginning of Yah was to bring their son, which will be the one that will reconcile all things. So how important is it? And we know it's crucially important to teach the truth to people that you're a sinner and if you don't repent of your sins and obey God and actually find a place where you don't sin, then you are divided against God. And the kingdom of God is not divided. The kingdom of God is unified. You are not going to enter the kingdom of God when you're against God. You're an enemy. If you continue to sin and proclaim faith in God, you're an enemy of God, and you will not be allowed in the kingdom of heaven. That's why it says somebody that's a homosexual, a thief, an adulterer, a murderer, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because they continue to sin without repenting of it and you remain as a sinner and therefore you're divided against God and you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's why, why did Messiah didn't argue with people coming to him? They attempted to argue with him. What did he come to do? He came to make one new man out of the two the Jew that was convinced that the law brought their righteousness and the Gentile, which didn't have the law, I've come to make one new creation out of the two. I've come to get rid of that division, the enmity, which was, no, the law, we've got the law and we're righteous and you're not, and you're a sinner. And the other side of, well, I don't have promises of God, but how can I be righteous? How can I do this? And by doing that, I'm a law unto myself that even though I don't have the law, I do by nature the things required by the law, which shows that I believe God. Well, and that's the point is Yah knew that they would break the covenant because if they didn't know that, then why would Messiah come? But the point was, I'm giving this to you to test you. Are you going to do the best that you can? And it wasn't like that Abba and Ema were like, oh my gosh, they just broke our covenant. How could that be? It's no, we, we knew that that was going to happen because you were made corruptible, but now my son is going to come so that there can be reconciliation. So the desire of Yah is to be unified with their people, and that's why Messiah came. His work was to do away with sin so that the division would go away, and that therefore that's why the renewed covenant is a greater covenant because now it brings unity with God. And the reason that can happen is because you have a people of God that are fully committed and without sin. Therefore, we're one now. We can we can now worship in spirit and, and truth. There is no more division because we have a everlasting covenant of unity in our son. But if you don't find your place to be in that, you'll be saying, Lord, Lord, let me into the kingdom. No, you were divided. Get away from me. No, you were you walked in the ways of the enemy, sin, division. Get away from me. And that's why that the enemy is there just to not put it in your face, but be hidden and to trick people to think, yeah, yeah, you're unified. Yeah, you're, everything's good. But you don't realize that the selfishness, like you said, it keeps you divided. 
And think about the Tower of Babel. Why did Yah say these people as one? There's nothing they're not able to do. And it's the same thing as with God. All things are possible. The reason it's possible is because it's the unity. It's unified with God. All things are possible. That find your place to be unified with God. And unfortunately, that people think that they're unified, but they're not. And that's the the thing is you could say, well, we're unified. It's just they have a different take. They just take it deeper. Yeah, but shouldn't this be like the word says, shouldn't it be one church to where you all believe the same thing? Why is it all these different branches and things? Because of selfishness. Because, well, I think that it means this. I think it's this. I, well, it shouldn't matter what I think it is. It should be, what does the truth of God say about it? That's what we we go with. What does the word say about this? And if the word says don't do it, then we're not going to do it. If the word says do it, we we do that. And this goes not just with the church of God, but with families and things like that, that what can you really accomplish? And Phil, cause you've had a coaching background. What can you accomplish if everybody is on a different agenda? Well, the quarterback wants to do this and the offensive line wants to do that. And well, no, I'm not blocking for you. I'm, I'm not going to block for you anymore. And you, and you like the old term, there's no I in team. Well, the team is supposed to be about the unity that everybody works together for a common goal. And that's the point of faith is that everybody has a purpose. Everybody is to work together for the unity of God to be, be unified. And just what I'm seeing in this is that this is a, this is something that the enemy's work is. He doesn't want people to think about this. He wants people to think that they're unified, but then in essence you're not. And then therefore he just keeps the division going in the background. And as we know, if there's division, then what can you accomplish? Because that's where, if there is unity, there should be no fights and quarrels at all. Like me and you, if we're fighting with each other, well, no, the podcast needs to be this too much. And you're, and you won't let me speak and you always get the good stuff. And I don't, and it's just like, no, it's not about me and you. It's about what y'all wants, whatever they want is what we do. And I can remember one time distinctly, over the years with me and you where there was like a frustration or something and it was about how it affected us because, well, you're not doing this or that. And I'll, I'll never forget that. And I was like, never again. And even before that, we didn't, we weren't like, well, you're wrong in this or it isn't one saved, always say what's wrong with you. And you need to just figure this out. And, and I'm saying that is that's why I brought us together because, well, because there's a spirit of unity here. It's not about division. And, and I had this thought, just talking with y'all this morning that if anything is going away that I don't think it should go or something doesn't seem like right or something, I was like, yeah, it's never, ever you. It's always me. So what I'm, I'm going to dig and figure this out because if, for example, if I'm not feeling close to God or there's a distance, something is off. I was like, yeah, it is not you. I'm going to, it's my responsibility. I'm going to figure this out. And that's the thing. It's so easy to blame God. And it's like, no, it's, well, we could blame God, but that's not in a a place we want to be. But it's always about evaluating ourselves because think about it. (laughs) How does somebody, a man and a woman have a child? Unity. And once that unity comes together, there's an unbreakable bond. And I had this thought this morning that if you are unified and particularly going with the kingdom of God, it's impossible to have division if there's unity. 
unless you turn from it. Like the, the, the bond and the strength in that of unity is so great that how are you going to destroy it unless somebody like one of us were to do something to destroy it. But the, if everybody is unified, then we, we wouldn't be looking for any division. Not that somebody couldn't do something, but it just came to mind is that there's more strength in unity than obviously it is in division. Well, and is it really the fact that when a male and a female come together and have a child that they're unified or did they unite for that purpose rather than because unified is a continual uh, thing where you're working together for the same cause, the same purpose, the same thing. And here's the reality that you can think that both people without faith are going after the same thing and they're seemingly uh, getting along and nothing's well, eventually one is going to do something that stirs the other person's selfishness, right? At, at that time, it seems like you're unified, but you're not really unified. And even with the, uh, the enemy, there is no unification with the enemy. There's the perception of being unified and it's not there. And of course, this has been one of the, uh, one of the biggest things that has been a problem for humanity is the division is being divided and then not being able to stand. It's interesting because when we look at like a political form, okay, so we'll take the United States, okay, where the United States is considered to be a democratic society, which means that people take in a, uh, they mix and match and change roles based in what they think is best for the people. Uh, and what's interesting is that this country didn't start out with the intention of being a democratic society. It started out as a republic. And there's a difference between a democratic society and republic. And the, there have been people who have married the two. Well, this is a republic because in the Pledge of Allegiance of, uh, for the United States to the republic for which it stands, not to the democracy for which it stands, to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. Starting as a republic and then changing to a democracy. Is China a democracy? I remember in the Republic of China. Yes. So we look at China and a lot of times this is the problem because we look at China as a republic and we look at other countries and we got to bring democracy. We got to give the people a choice. And why? Because... Well, they're just just straightforward, black and white. There's no gray in it. And whatever they say you have to do, you have to do. Well, that's, that's the ideal of a republic is that everybody 
in a republic is intended to follow the body of rules that is laid out for that republic. That it's not a, well, okay, we, we will do this, but then as time goes on, we'll, we'll change things to make it fit our condition. And, well, that's what uh, people have done with God, with uh, the church perspective. And it's interesting because if you look at a republic, there is a hierarchy in a republic. It's not just a, a kingdom perspective that has a hierarchy, but a republic has a hierarchy. You have to, because somebody has to control the rule, not control the rules, but control the uh, carrying out of the consequences for the rules being broken. If not, you have a uh, chaotic society that's nothing. And then we think that we're going to go free these people from this republic and give them this better thing, which is a democracy. And what people don't understand is democracy breeds division. And I'm not saying that anybody in this world, I don't care what type of political uh, stance there are in this world, that nobody's going to be able to do it in the way that God would do it. Why? Because selfishness is involved. That it's, see, the kingdom of God is set up like a republic. You have a hierarchy. You have a set of rules, which is the law. And the law never changes, never get, we, we don't get away from the law. The only thing, well, what happens is, is we are under the law at one point, and then circumcision of the heart, you walk in the spirit of the law, which is that transformation, but the law itself never changes. And therefore, you have to, if you're going to be in the kingdom of God, then you have to abide by those rules, and there are no exceptions. There are no, well, we'll just we'll let you slide because of this or because of that. No, we're not showing favor to anybody the, uh, from a uh, position perspective. We're, we're gonna, you're going to get favor if you walk in accordance with the rules of the republic. People who live in China that live under that republic and are perfectly fine with following those rules, what problem do they have with the government? None. It's people who are uh, convinced that they should have a voice in what's going on. And I'm not saying China has a, this is not a political statement of, you know, China is, they've got it right. And no, because it's still run by worldly people who don't have faith and therefore, it, in this plane of life, meaning in, in the earth, it is an impossibility for any political society to operate according to the truth of God. And therefore, you're going to have all these different divisions between republics and Democrats and all the, all the different the kingdoms. And there's going to be those divisions because we're not capable of handling that. And that's why we don't consider trying to set up some other kind of uh, government because, well, the kingdom that we're looking for, the republic that we're looking for, or, uh, forward to, is a godly one and 
the people who are in the hierarchy of that uh, kingdom or that republic of God, those are the ones that are making sure that all the rules are being followed. And if those rules aren't being followed, you will, you will receive a consequence for not following those rules. And because this is very difficult, I believe, for people who live in democratic societies to understand, embrace, and uh, accept the law of God to live within it, where this is where people who live in more restricted countries that have to abide by that those laws, well, if you have to, you're doing it out of obligation, you don't like it, well, then leave. Go to another country. They have uh, political ways that you can leave your country and move to another. But the democratic society breeds arguments and fights. And when I say democratic, I'm not saying Democrats. I'm saying the the whole of the society, you have all the different sides, not just Democrat, not Republican, but you have independent now. And because the independents thought that they were going to do it right and they still have their things that are wrong and they profess that, well, you should do this and you shouldn't do that, but they're not doing what they say you should do and they're not doing or they're doing what they say you shouldn't do, but they don't see it. And they just think that they're going to, we're going to make this better uh, political perspective. And the reality of faith in God is our concern is not politics of the world, but it's just interesting because it shows you that the divisions that we have in this uh, society that we live in, it makes it more difficult because it breeds us to think that we're allowed to take control of God's law and twist it and change it to fit our lifestyle, to fit what we like or fit what makes us feel good. And regardless of whether you do that in this world, in your mind, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of God. You're not going to be able to be in the Republic of God because you have been put in a position to actually breed your selfishness instead of to learn what the law is, abide in the law, and then go about your life. And we live in a country that do we really take the law seriously? I mean, think about it. Honestly, we're, we're programmed to not take the law seriously. Now, when I say that, I'll give you examples. Okay, you might, well, well I'm not going to murder because, you know, but you, you may have a fit of rage where you lose control and you murder somebody. But we're so uh, programmed for self that we'll take a law like speed limit. Now, there are a few people who will do the speed limit, but the greatest majority of people, you can see it on the interstate. Speed limit 70. You do 70 on the interstate, and 
people are blown by you and you, there's the greatest majority of people are not following the speed limit. But that person who follows the speed limit, I uh, are they cheating on their taxes or are they, you know, you don't know everybody's, but the reality is, is that we look at it and okay. And I know this from conversations I've had that generally on the interstate, if you're, if you stay one to two miles under 10 miles over the speed limit, you're not going to get a ticket on the interstate. That that's, because that's kind of a rule of thumb. Now, with Virginia and the way their rules are, that it used to be 15 miles over the speed limit was reckless driving. Well, in Virginia, 80 miles an hour is reckless driving. That's only 10 miles over the speed limit in some areas. And so if you go over that, you're going to get a ticket and you're going to get a reckless driving ticket. And the reckless driving ticket is way more expensive than a regular ticket. Now, I, I have not received a reckless driving ticket. Um, not saying that I haven't driven 80 miles an hour or more um, because I have, but we're these are things that we're programmed to think that we're the exception to the rule. And what breeds that, unfortunately, is a democracy. And I'm not, again, I'm not making political statements. Oh, I hate this country. And I know because my trust is in God. And what God's going to bring about. And this is one of the reasons that I myself stay away from voting. Um, we're not in the uh, political realm from any perspective at all, because the kingdom that we're a part of is not of this world. And nobody in this world is able to carry out and to fulfill that type of kingdom. And that's why we have to have the hierarchy of God, the father, uh, mother, the spirit and Messiah, because they're the ones that are going to one, if we want to know how the hierarchy and how the uh, Republic of God works, they'll tell you, but you, we live in a soft society where division is rampant because we breed selfishness through the things that we teach kids and it doesn't matter what side of an issue you're on when you're in a worldly perspective. It will always be about selfishness and you will always be a hypocrite. I, I've seen this so many times where in uh, public uh, uh, church perspectives and uh, government perspectives and just people that have divisions where they'll say, uh, well, all-inclusive. But if I come to your group that's all-inclusive and I start telling you these truths about God and how it speaks against some of the stuff that you're doing, now I'm no longer included. Therefore, they're not all-inclusive, so they walk around as a hypocrite because the inclusiveness is, well, you have to include me, but I don't have to include you. And this is, unfortunately, this is the society, or fortunately, however you want to look at it. I mean, it's a sign of the times. The, the Bible says things are going to take place like this. But these are the realities that a republic is one nation under a set of rules. And that's what this country was 
originated from was we have the uh, Constitution. But then somewhere in the midst of it, we get to twisting it from a republic to a democracy when we start to amend the Constitution. So now we started changing the rules that were set in the beginning, and then we add to it, well, that's not clear enough. And, well, if you live by the spirit of it, it's plenty clear. But that's the reality of what we live in. And this is uh, coming up just to bring about the understanding and the ideal of the programming that we have that we were raised, I was raised in a time frame of everybody hated Russia. And it was such a great thing when the United States uh, hockey team beat the Russians for the, uh, in the Olympics for the gold medal. And it was this big, uh, big deal. Why? Because we were in the Cold War and they're our enemy and, and we hate Russians. And, and it's why? Why do we hate Russians? Because they don't agree with me instead of, hey, you live in your country, and you run your country how you want to run it. Don't bring it here, and I won't bring mine to yours. We have no problem. If you want to have a republic, you want to have a democracy, you want to have uh, communism, however you want to do it. It's your country. Go ahead. But we think that it's our right to get everybody uh in the world in a position where they have a choice of political stance. Well, we don't have a choice of political stance. You have the ones that exist and anybody who goes against that, well, you're ridiculed and you're, uh, you're kicked out because, well, you're not thinking like the, the way you're supposed to. And there are many people out there that would, uh, say something about the fact that I don't vote. Well, that's you want to vote, vote. Because I'm following faith in God, and the faith that I follow has a book, and that book says that God puts kings into their position and deposes them. So no, I don't care who you vote for. It's God's choice who's going to get into whatever position that you're looking for. And just like when the Israelites were looking for kings uh, to rule over them rather than God to be their king. And God said, okay, and then watch what happened after they did that. Well, they kept dividing and separating and dividing. And unity is a huge perspective in this, that at one point in time, from scripture, everybody on the face of the earth was one people of one mind, speaking the same language, unified, building towers to the heavens. And I honestly, for me, I honestly believe that that's the pyramids, the things that we can't figure out and nobody has duplicated in the, uh, in the greatness of how they were created or how they were uh, built. 
And they don't understand that that was because that was done in a time where the whole people on the face of the earth were unified and they all had the same concept of selfishness that we're going to build a tower to the heavens. We're going to build a tower to God and we're going to make a name for ourselves. Well, and God said that as one people with one mind, nothing will be impossible for them. You think the enemy didn't know that? And the enemy's like, oh, so when they're when people are divided, they can't have the faith in God. And okay, so now we start the division, but God started the division. Why? Because the whole purpose of that being in scripture about that story is to show that when everybody is unified under the same mindset and the same understanding and the same concept, then there's nothing that is impossible for them. And the whole objective is, is God wanted to make it clear that from a human perspective, you can't do this, but from a godly perspective, you can. And so from the godly perspective, you have to be unified. And this is why uh, we talk about this. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Well, Yeshua is the one, the son of God that was sent to, will be the word, I'm thinking unconfuse the language, but to bring unity to where the son is going to come to unify everybody so that they can understand the language of God, which is the spiritual aspect. I had this thought as you were speaking about the, the written law that was given, which the law of God never is put away, but the written code is referred to as when you crucify yourself with Christ, that Messiah put to death the enmity, which was the written code because that's what kept sin and gave its power that the reason that you can't be justified by the works of the law is because if you break one law, you're guilty of all of it. So what happens is, is that you being born, us being born with a sin nature, we've already transgressed the law and it doesn't matter how much of that, even if you recognize that, all right, well, I'll make up for it. God, I'll, I won't steal anymore. I won't murder. It doesn't matter. You cannot make up for it. You can't do enough works of your own to make up for the law that's been broken. So you're divided that Yah put this in place because it came to mind when the law was given. It's to show you that you're, you're not righteous, that you're a sinner, that you're divided. And you have to get to the point where you break because you're trying to, I just, I don't understand why can't I be unified with you? I've done everything. I just, I just, I keep failing. And you have to get to the point where you just, you break and another threefold aspect came up to mind that the unity to be unified with God is a threefold process and the working of the enemy. And we've said this like the genius of the enemy. And really that's more of a, we know that the enemy has the power that he has because God has given uh, able that to happen. So it's not that the enemy themselves are powerful, but think about it. If you have no unity with Abba through repentance, then you're not going to go to the sun because you're not going to be able to be unified with him because you have no mindset of turning to God 
in agreement with his father because he and the father are one where you don't agree with my father, then you won't agree with me. So you need to go back to him to reconcile. Well, no, Messiah, I need, no, go to my father. Because unless you, and when I say unified, I'm not saying that it's all perfected, but in your mind, your mindset is I'm going to be unified with Abba. I agree with him being a terror. I agree with repentance. I agree with his ways, no matter if I understand it or not. That's what I agree with. That's what I'm pursuing. Okay, well, in your own effort, you're making an effort to be unified with him. And he says, okay, well, I'll make an effort to draw you to draw you to me. So now I'm going to teach you my ways. Here's my law. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm not doing those things. I'm doing this. And then, okay, well, I've, I've seen that you agree with me. So now, because you're in agreement with me, the best that you can do it, I'll bring you to my son and you come into agreement with him that this is right, fair, and just to be obedient to God. That's, that's what I'm going to do. And then how can you be brought to mother to be unified with her when you still have sin in your life? You can't because sin is there. She cannot come to live in your heart because sin is there. So there's a division there. So you have to be unified with mother through the trust. And then you have the fullness of deity and bodily form, which means the fullness of unity is within you. So now you're unified with them. You're reconciled to God. And if you don't have all three aspects, then you're not unified. You're on the journey of being unified with God. There's You're on a journey of unification with God. And you've got to find your, you've got to, you must find the place of being completely reconciled to God. And the way to do that is by being in Messiah, which brings being in Messiah means you have circumcision of the heart. And therefore, just like the one baptism we just talked about recently, the one immersion means that you go into the water and you don't come out because now we can go back to the Tower of Babel. Now there's a people, the Israel of God, that are all unified. And now you are able to make it to the heavens because that's the way God intended. It was never about man themselves building their way by the works of the law to get to the kingdom of heaven. It was always about faith in the Son. So in Messiah, Messiah is the one that brings unification to the body. So now in one body, and of course Messiah is going to be able to make it to the kingdom because he's that was the plan of God, is that we're going to confuse the language because this isn't about them working their way to us. It's about faith in our son, which there's works that they will do in him. And when he makes it, because we, we understand that right now of this generation, it's only Messiah himself that's in heaven. So he's the one that's able to ascend into heaven, but in him spiritually, now we're able to be in the kingdom. We're able to dwell in that place spiritually because we're hidden in Messiah and God. But once we have the perfected body, then we will be able to be fully there, not just in our in our heart and our mind. So I was just sitting there thinking we just have another threefold aspect that if you don't come to faith in the proper order, then you won't be moved on just like in school that if the teacher in second grade doesn't say you're ready to go to third, you're not going, you're going to stay where you are. And it, it's a another threefold it's a process of unification, but once the fullness of faith with circumcision of the heart sealed, you are one in Messiah. You are a part of God. 
because you now have the fullness of deity and bodily form. So now you live a life united with God. And the only way that that is going to change would be if you're the one that breaks the seal, because Yah is not going to do that, that they will never leave us nor forsake us. But if we leave them, then we become divided again. And that's why they hate divorce, because once unified like that, the the purpose is not to ever separate. And if you separate it and you break that oath, then there is no coming back because it was sealed and you broke it. So it goes back actually to the other side that at the beginning, you're a lawbreaker and you need Messiah to reconcile you to God. Once you're fully reconciled and then you break a law by sinning, then it's just like you you have no chance to go back again. So it, you can't start over again because you've broken covenant with God in the eternal and just like Satan that you're driven out and there is no coming back like once you do that but just the thing about the gospel message is that's what the gospel message is about it's about people having faith in God and being reconciled to God to be one with God and how can you be unified with God if you still claim that you sin you can't so that's why the work of Messiah is to do away with sin so that in him sin is done away with, so therefore you don't sin, and then therefore now you can be unified with God. That's the whole point. So if somebody professes that I'm saved, and yeah, I sin, but I, I confess my sins, as the word says, and I'm forgiven, and 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 I'm saved, and I'm no, you're you're on a journey, or even not on a journey, but you you think that you're you're safe, and no, because at, at the end Messiah is going to be standing there in front of a lot of people. And they're, hey, let me in the kingdom. No, you practice lawlessness. Well, I did all these other things. Yeah, but you practice lawlessness. You didn't get away from sin, and therefore, you're not going to come into the kingdom because the kingdom of God is about lawlessness. It's about lawfulness. You're a lawbreaker. You can't enter in here because you have no place here because lawbreaking will bring division, and it's not going to happen. And I'm going to read just a brief is that the passage about the division yeah um and this was uh messiah and this was after he removed the evil spirit and then the pharisees were saying that he's removing an evil spirit by the power of beelzebub uh the prince of demons uh, and this is uh, in matthew chapter 12 But Yeshua knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought into desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, to whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, They shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And it's interesting because this is a huge, big reason why we don't uh, adhere and follow Christianity, why we have separated from Christianity because of the divisions. And here's the thing, the churches that we read about in the new Testament 
you know, the church at Corinth, the church at Ephesus, the church, they were not denominational differences. Denominational differences come because, well, I don't agree with this, so I'm changing it to this. And then somebody else in that one says, well, we don't agree with this, so we're going we're gonna to do all these things, but we're going to change this. Okay, so you've already started a chain of division that even when the quote-unquote Catholic Church took the uh, perspective uh, that on, upon themselves that the Roman Catholic Church is the church, the one unified church, and then they were talking about uh, Peter is their first was their first pope. And I find that interesting when Peter wasn't even sent to the Gentiles. Paul was sent to the Gentiles. So if you were going to choose anybody that was going to be your uh, pope, it would have been Paul. Not It wouldn't have been Peter because Peter was one that was ministering to the Jews, and the church never belonged to Rome anyway. If there was a church in Rome, it would have been the church at Rome, which would have been the original church that started in Jerusalem, which just spread out, and they would have all abided by the same guidelines if they were walking in the truth of God and professing to be a church. And this is why Paul uh, wrote letters to uh, Corinth and said, hey, you have these issues going on. They need to be addressed. And, you know, because these are the guides that God has laid out and we have to follow these guidelines. It's, it's under the concept of a republic. And Paul was making it clear that the faith in God is not a democratic uh, perspective, that you don't get to pick and choose, that it, it's laid out and you either follow it or you don't. And if you follow it in obedience, then you'll be rewarded. And if you uh, disobey it, then there'll be a consequence for your disobeying it. And so the churches, when we have denominations, well, how did that start? Okay, one, you started with the the Roman Catholic Church, which is Catholic means unified, okay, who took the church uh, or the, they felt they took the responsibility of the church away from the Jews, which isn't the case. And then, okay, well, we're not going to do this the way the Jews did it. We're going to do this this way. Oh, and they do that for a while. Well, then along comes Martin Luther. And now Martin Luther's like, well, I agree with these things that you're doing, but I agree with these. And so now I'm going to start my own church, and we're going to call it the Lutheran church. So now we've got a, a division right there. And then as people went down with the Lutheran church, well, we see this, but we want to change this. And then you have all shoots of Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopal, all those, and then we get into the uh, the other denominations that go, uh, you know, Baptist, uh, you know, all those, even non-denominational. It's I find it interesting <clears throat> because non-denominational is a denomination. You you're just trying to separate yourself from everybody else. So, well, we're non-denominational. No, you're, you're still, your denomination is you call yourself non-denominational. Why are you non-denominational? Because you took liberty with 
whatever it was that you were seeing before and didn't think was right. And again, each one of them has some sense or some aspect of truth. But the true church of God is not a democratic perspective. It's a republic perspective that you have a set of rules. It's called the law of God. And you're intended uh, and expected to follow those laws. And if you don't follow them, there will be a consequence. And that consequence is hell. And so you have to find yourself in a place where you can find where you can work in the spirit of the law. Though you, you crucify yourself with Christ, you're no longer under the written code, but the law doesn't go away. You strive and you live your life to still live the law of God, but you need God's help to teach you what the spirit of it is. And then when you learn the spirit of the law, then you just obey it. You just, oh, wow. So the the aspect of not yoking uh, a believer and an unbeliever together goes right to this concept of we're talking about why, because it's going to bring division. And that division is going to put you in a position where you can't stand. You, you won't stand together. And that's why marriages fall apart. And that's why friendships fall apart. And we have all these things because everybody wants everything to be democratic for them, but wants it to be republic for everybody who's with meaning that they have their own set of rules. And as long as you agree with my rules, then we're good. But once you disagree with my rules or what I think, then we're no longer good. And now where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us divided. And we've, we've got way too many divisions. And if Paul was here today, he'd, he'd be saying the same things we are about why are there fights and quarrels among all these different people who are claiming to be a quote unquote Christian church. And this is the reason that I renounced and pulled out of Christianity because of the lack of unity, because what we're doing, we don't renounce Christ, but we renounce that which is not unified. And if we claim to be Christian, then we just fall under all that ununified garbage that is not good. And again, like you said, I mean, you don't just have denominational differences. You have church-to-church differences. I mean, even the churches that run on a hierarchy like the Catholic Church or the Methodist Church, Presbyterian, where it's there's they have their set of rules and you have to follow them, but then when they get church-to-church, they start to modify those rules to fit their congregation. And it just and but you think that you've got it because you've got this perspective where everybody modifies it and where does that leave you it leaves you divided and a house divided against itself cannot stand and if i'm claiming faith in god i'm not going to tie myself to a culture that is continually divided but still professing that they have faith and messiah's own words tell Christianity that there's a problem. And Paul would have never taken on the name Christian. 
you know, in his writings, you see where it says Christians, but Paul would not have stated it as Christian. They would have stated it as the way, the way of Messiah, because the term Christian was a, was really like a curse word to them that they were being ridiculed and you Christians, you know, that, and of course, Christian is the, the uh, translation, but they were being ridiculed. Why would you take on a name that you've been ridiculed? You know, you grow up as a little kid and somebody keeps calling you dummy, dummy. Oh, that's my name. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm 50 years old. Hey, what's your name? Oh, my name's Dummy. What's yours? No, you're going to tell them what your regular name is. Well, we need to make sure. This is why the church and Paul made it clear, and even Messiah made it clear, that be careful. Don't let these heresies slip in among you because it's going to bring division and it's going to destroy your church. It's going to destroy your gathering of Messiah. And that's the thing. We are of the church of Messiah and anybody who is in the church of Messiah will believe and will be unified in the same perspective that we are. And if they're not, if there's a disagreement with the truth of God, then we're not going to con uh, connect or tie ourselves to that group because it doesn't line up with the truth of God. And anybody who's going to line up with the truth of God is going to find themselves in the concept of a republic. You have to get the idea that you get a choice in the midst of it. Now, you have a choice to choose whether you're going to obey or disobey those rules, and then that will determine whether you get a reward or a, a consequence. But aside from that, when we talk about the things of God, God works as a republic with a hierarchy of perfection that they will handle the roles and they themselves abide in those roles just as we are called to abide in those roles. And they're not going to change the rules for themselves. They're not go they're definitely not going to change the rules for us. No. The rules are set in place because it's the best thing for everybody. And my hope is that as people are seeking God with all of their heart, that they start to see and understand and recognize the divisions. This is why, again, I left Christianity because I knew that with all, it's all divided. Everybody's professing that they have truth, but yet they're all divided. They can't agree on, well, how do you baptize? Do you, do you, you sprinkle, dip, immerse? Well, we're not really sure, but, and everybody tries to make their unification based in, well, we believe Messiah was the son of God. Well, we believe this Jesus was the son of God. And that's the, that is their, the whole base of unity that Christianity is trying to carry out. And just because you're unified under the idea that Messiah was the son of God means nothing if you're not unified to the, the whole perspective and concept of the truth of God. You remember the place on the mountain that we went several times that we'll go and park and has those big rocks green rock green rock 
I just had this thought about the unity. How massive and heavy are those rocks just sitting there right now? Oh, that rock up against that tree? It, you you definitely need a substantial crane to move it. You're not going to move it yourself, that's for sure. But what happens if you take a pickaxe and you break it all down into pieces? How strong is it? It's, it's weak. Like I was sitting there thinking you take a, a big rock like we, uh, me and my wife Crystal, we went walking yesterday over at, um, not here at Gypsy Hill Park, but over in, um, this is, I, don't know, <clears throat> I call it MacArthur Park, but it's Montgomery Park. Montgomery Hall. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you've been up there. They have those big boulders that are around the sides as you go up the side. And we're like, there had to be a crane that came in to put all these in here because you couldn't lift those. And I thought of if you blow up one of those rocks and it's just in pieces, you could pick it up and, hey, that's not. And it made me think of the more division is that the strength is lost and there's just weakness, but the the unity of God and the kingdom of heaven. And that's the thing. Nobody can overtake it. Nobody can enter it in unauthorized because it's so strong. And the reason it's so strong is because it's unified. If you take some strands of cord and you take them and you twist and you bind them, it, it's so much stronger then, but if you loosen it and it's just, it all falls apart. And I don't even know if you realize this, you made an interesting statement. I never talked, I thought about, it. you said a chain of division and you think of a chain is it's all linked together and you're only the old term. You're only as strong as your weakest link. Well, think about that, like a chain of division, like how strong is that division? Just like if you're unified, how strong is that unity? Well, how strong is that division? So it would take a lot of work to, break that just like if you're so divided and so strong well you have no place for unity and i'm going to share this i had this come to mind with never thought about this until y'all brought this to mind this story about the enemy and satan divided against satan and i thought about this think about this that you were a house divided against yourself when you come to faith and I'll explain your selfishness has been in control. And now because you repent to God in your mind, you're against self. You've got to drive out self in order to be unified with God. So you've got to fight and throw yourself out. <laughs> you're in essence, you're divided against yourself now because no, I'm for God. But then the body of flesh wants to do this. No, I'm not. You're divided against it and you've got to put your selfishness to death in order to be unified with God. And once you do that, the sin nature, which is divided against you, stays in the flesh. And that's why you continually, you're at war because no, I'm not with that anymore. I'm with God. And that's when things come up, you put it to death immediately because it's, you're against the selfishness that's still in the lower conscience. And that's why if you sit there and say, no, no, just take it all away. No, because you got to remember it's by grace that you've been put in a position to have mastery over sin. So you're against this and it's, it's still in place for you to master it to where, how can you master it if it's with what you want to do? No, you still fight against it. And it just made me think of is that you've got to get rid of your selfishness so that you can enter the kingdom of God, that you're divided because no, I, because Paul even said the things that I want to do, I do not do because you still have sin in the heart to where in your mind, I don't want to do these things, but you keep on doing it. And I was just sitting there thinking about, you've got to drive your selfishness out in order to be in the kingdom of God. You can't remain with selfishness within you 
and enter the kingdom because look at the very end, you stand before Messiah. Well, didn't I do this? Didn't I like you're let me in because I no. you didn't put to death selfishness. So you need to get out and get away from me. And it just made me think of Messiah laid his life down so he could take it up again. Well, you've got to be willing to give up selfishness in order to gain life. I was just sitting there like, wow, that you've got to, you, you're, when you go after the pursuit of Yah at the beginning, you still have the sin nature, which is against God. And you've got to be willing to, all right, there's a division here. Well, God is right and I'm against this. So this has got to go. Like if you say, oh, sin can stay, then you're divided against God still just sitting there thinking about what a interesting concept, the depth of this that goes further. Well, and that's the thing. There's like when we talked about the aspect of what is perceived as uh, the church of Christianity, the reality is, is that you don't just have the divisions and we've talked about this before. You don't just have the divisions of, denominations but then you have the individual churches that don't agree with the some of the other stuff and that's and they modify and they change to fit the people and then uh, you go into one church i mean the baptist has got how many different versions of baptist and but you go into one baptist church you still have democrats and republicans so you have division and they'll be nice to each other while they're in church. But when they're out of church, then they'll make comments and they'll have hatred towards other people because of what they're doing. And they're not unified from that perspective. But then you take it down to the, uh, why do you have different Sunday school classes teaching different lessons? Because, well, we, we want to be the older people and we want to study these things and we want to be the younger and we want to study these instead of, no, we're going to study it all. We'll be one people. We'll have one Sunday school. Well, you don't need Sunday school. That's what the whole concept of church was about anyway, was for you to learn and grow and understand the things of God so that you don't need Sunday school. You don't need that perspective because in essence, your church is your Sunday school. When, when I have church service and then I have Sunday school, well, why do we divide the two? Because we're programmed for that. Well, church is when the one person stands up in front of everybody else and and they're the ones that speak. Nobody else gets to speak and they would do that. And then in Sunday school, you get the freedom to speak. And why should you not have the freedom to ask questions during a quote unquote church service that, hey, uh, this came to mind and how does this work with the Bible? But you don't see that. You don't get that opportunity. No, that's what we have Sunday school for. Well, that within itself is a division. Then you divide Sunday school from Sunday school, and then you got the little kids in the in the uh, you know doing the the little kid stuff, and then you have divisions all the way through from that perspective. And then you take it even farther to where each family in those churches are divided. Why are they divided? Because of selfishness. And like you were saying, we don't, we don't get rid of self because we'd have to completely kill ourselves and be done with it. We get rid of selfishness. We still have to have an aspect of self because that's what drives us to, I, I want to have salvation. So 
uh, I have to be um, uh, conscious of myself, but I'm not going to uh, do it to where it's going to affect other people, meaning that, well, I get mad and I just shun you or do something. No, I'm... I'm going to accept who I am, my responsibilities. My goal is to be in the kingdom of God, but I'm not going to do it at any cost, meaning meaning that, well, I've got to ridicule you because that makes me feel better. That makes me, no, no. You still have to want to be in the kingdom, and that's still a part of self, but selfishness is when you're doing everything and it's about you. The other is when you're doing it and it's about God. Everything you do is for God. That's when you're not being selfish. And there's a lot of perception in the world that, yeah, I'm, what I'm doing, I'm doing for God. I'm doing for God. Well, in reality, you're doing for lowercase God because everybody without faith in, without true faith in God, without circumcision of the heart, they are their own God. And this goes back to what we talked about. You can't help it that you're programmed to be selfish and everything you do, even in the pretense of being good for somebody else, you have a reason in your lower conscience why you did that because it makes you feel good or it, uh, something, you know, may, you might strike out in anger because something hurt you or you may feel justified in, well, they did me wrong. So I'm justified in this rather than, you know what? I'm going to leave it in God's hands. I'll let God, if God thinks that this person needs a consequence, then I'll leave it in their hands. And if they get a consequence, then that's what God wanted to do. And if they don't, then God knows what they're doing anyway. Because the whole objective, we crucify ourselves with Christ, is we recognize the selfishness of who we are that has kept us from being in faith in God. And we crucify that. We kill that to where it's no longer about me. This is all about you, God. And in the process of that, help yourself. But you don't do it from a selfish perspective. You do it from a selfless perspective. And we've talked about this before. If you operate from a selfless perspective, meaning you worry about yourself less, well, how are you going to do that if you don't know that you're doing that in your lower conscience. So you have to recognize and see that you're doing it in order to make any kind of change to the selfish perspective. And the best way to do this is at first look to others. Don't say anything to them. Don't, don't, uh, you know, you see somebody else and they do something and you dial it down to, wow, they don't even realize they did that because it makes them feel good here. Or it makes them, that's for you to be able to see it. So you can say, okay, let me start looking into the things that I do. You know, why do I do the things that I do? Am I doing them because I'm truly wanting to know the truth about God and I'm seeking God with all of my heart? Or is there some sort of selfish reason in my subconscious that I can't see that I need to dig up so I can say it and then I can deal with that issue. And this is why we want to get away from selfishness because selfishness is the core aspect 
that drives division among people. And with that division, you cannot stand. Eventually, if you look at all the division that's in just in the United States, and it keeps getting worse, I mean, there's always something new to add a divide in between people. You're going to end up with a, a divided, well, it's already a divided nation. It's not one nation under God. It's a divided nation under selfishness. And eventually, this nation's going to come to an end. Look, look at all the history and what has been the demise of nations has been the selfish perspectives that have been carried out. And this is why, like, when we look at the aspect of a republic, like, like I said, the United States was created as or uh, made uh, as a republic that the Republic of the United States would follow the Constitution. But then once somebody started to amend it, you brought in a democratic pr perspective to it. Well, we don't think that this, we need to change this or we need to fix this or we need to, well, you can't do that with the law of God. And again, that's why places like China seem to be so uh, strict. And well, they are. Places like Singapore, Singapore's got one of the lowest crime rates. Why? Because they have laws, and if you break that law, you will receive the consequence for your actions. So before you go and visit, make sure you understand the law. Because if you're like the young man many years ago who broke curfew in Singapore, caning, was the, you know, get, getting uh, a beaten with a cane was the punishment for that. And I remember the State Department was trying to stop that, was trying to get, you know, get them. And it ended up in the end, the boy ended up having to get, take his caning because they're not, why should they cave to your political playing in order to destroy their republic? No, the, the whole concept is that we have a base guide of rules, which is called the law of God. And we have a hierarchy of God, the Father, Mother, and Messiah that control it to make sure everybody abides by those rules, even themselves. And they've abided by those rules even before they brought them to us to abide by those rules. So, Everything that is laid out in the kingdom of God is laid out from a republic perspective that you are expected to follow this. And when you don't, it's black and white. And unfortunately, democracy brings in the gray. You know, everybody wants 50 shades of gray. Everybody wants a thousand shades of gray as long as it pertains to somebody else. But if it pertains to me, well, I want it to be more black and white from you understanding me rather than me understanding you. It's gray for me to understand you, but it's black and white that you're supposed to understand me and you're supposed to do what I think is right. And that's what breeds 
the divisions. And again, for me, I don't vote. I don't get into the political perspectives because of these reasons, because I, the, the political system that I'm involved in is an eternal one. And that is controlled by God because they know how to control it. And it doesn't matter how good a government looks on paper or even in the onset of working it out, eventually it's going to be corrupted because it's run by man. And probably sooner than later, uh, because we have some good ideals and understandings of there, there are uh, there is a good concept of republic that is there, but the people controlling it or communism that, you know, the, the concept was we want to make everybody equal. Well, when you do that, the people who are in the hierarchy, well, they have control of the money and they're getting more of the money than everybody else because they have control over it. Well, now you have that corruption, which then affects the people as well. And so there's no worldly political system that will do any benefit for you from a faith perspective. God is the one who puts leaders into position and God is the one who deposes them. I choose to trust God over my own thoughts and my own decisions. And, and a lot of times people don't recognize that your political affiliation is more programmed than it is knowledge-based. It's you're Republican because your family was Republican or your family was Republican and you had uh, fights with your, so you just jumped to the other side without actually having good reason behind what you're doing. And again, it's just the aspect of division. It's not uh, supposed to be there with churches. There's not supposed to be fights and quarrels. I, uh, we do not unite with uh, Christianity because of the divisions. And I, I'm not going to be a part of something that's not going to stand. The, the kingdom of God will stand now and forever. And that's what my affiliation is with. The, the church that we are a part of is not a denominational break from what Paul was teaching what Messiah was teaching. It is the exact same thing. It's the church of Messiah. And that's what we need to be. Those who are seeking God with all of their heart, those that want to know the truth, those that uh, are going to have this faith in God will at some point have to set aside their Christian uh, perspectives and their Christianity and say, no, uh, no longer am I going to be a part of this. You don't have to do it with hatred. You do it with, no, this isn't appropriate. There's too many divisions in the midst of it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people involved in those areas that don't recognize and see these things because it's not talked about. Well, why would I talk about division in a church if I know my church is divided by peoples and families and I uh, and I uh, political affiliation, why would I do that? Because well, I'm going to lose my congregation. Well, we've been going on 14 years working under the 
ideal perspective of the Republic of God. And we're not going anywhere. And yeah, do we have lots of people? No. Part of the reason is because we're not going to coddle you. We're not going to tell you what you want to hear. We're going to tell you the truth. If you want to know the truth, come visit. Come see. But you got to be braced to know the truth because I'm not going to withhold the truth just because you don't want to hear it. If you're going to be a part of the church and you're going to come, then you're going to receive the reality of truth whether you like it or not. And again, this isn't from a hateful perspective. This is from a Republic of God perspective, that this is the reality of truth. Either you get on board with it or you leave. Your choice. But we're not, we don't coddle people and we will pressure people when the time is right to pressure them. Just we see it, Messiah did it, Paul did it, Peter did it, James, John. The objective goal, and uh, Paul had made this statement about the unity of faith. The unity of faith is the objective goal. And if there's no unity, there's no faith. So we have to find a church of God that is unified. And then when there's an issue that comes up, well, what about this? Okay, let's talk it out. Let's uh, Socratically go through this so that we can come to a conclusion of what the reality of truth is, and then we all agree with it. If we don't agree, then we have to work through until we have an agreement because that's our objective goal is to agree with one another rather than to disagree. And it's not us agreeing or disagreeing with one another. It's us agreeing and disagreeing with God. That's the thing because it's God's word that says these things. It's God's word that says expel the immoral brother. So it's really important that people really dig in, you know, am I really unified in my church? Am I really, is my church unified with the other churches of the same denomination? And not only that, but is that denomination then unified with all the other denominations and all the other places? And am I really unified with my family? Am I really unified with my wife? Am I really doing these things? because it's about her or am I doing these things because it's about me? Because you will find that without true faith in God, those divisions are all over the place. And just because you don't consciously see them and you don't consciously look for them, it doesn't excuse you from the wrong in it. Because the objective goal is us to be one people speaking one language, building a tower to God, and that is that tower to God is our faith. And that one language that we speak is God's language. And the being one people is being the people of God, not being a people of division that look to everybody else and still profess, well, we all believe that Messiah was the son of God, so we're all good. No, you're not. You have to believe in Messiah, 
And when you believe in Messiah, you won't have the divisions that you have because you will cut your affiliation with that uh, entity that is divided. And that's our, our objective goal as the Church of Messiah is to be, as, uh, to be unified under all circumstances and all things. And in order to do that, we have to have that faith in Messiah who is uh, filled the world in all things and all places. And there are no specific places of division in the Church of Messiah. In the book of Acts, I have a gentleman that says, if what these people are doing is of God, leave them alone because you're not going to be able to, you'll be finding yourself fighting against God because they had other saying other gatherings that were in somebody's name. And it's like, they came to nothing, but if what these people are doing are of God, then you're going to be fighting with God. And that's the thing that somebody can attempt to overthrow what we're doing, but you're just going to be fighting with God and it's just going to be a futile time. And that's something come to mind with what you're talking about with the numbers. The reason why people will go to how many numbers you have, do you, because of division, because you don't see it's the body of Messiah is the gathering. So if we have three people, it doesn't matter because we're not looking at ourselves. It's the body that, Oh, there's three more people that are in the body of Messiah. That's great. But what happens is, is because it's our church and we've got these numbers, don't you have numbers like we do? Cause we have 200, 300, 400, 50,000 members. Yeah. But you're not looking at it from the whole perspective. If you look at it from the body of Messiah perspective, cause the word says angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. Well, but that's not enough. We need to have 10,000. No, it does. The, the numbers, the numbers matter to the point of how many actually find themselves to be in Messiah. That's the key. It's not that we boast of our numbers because that means that it's about our truth and our attendance and all this stuff. And that's not what we're focused on. It's on the truth of God. And if there's one more added, great that that's just one more, but it's about the, and that's why it's so few because people think it's going to be so many, but it be, it isn't as many as you would think. But it just made me think of that's why we don't focus on the number of people, because if that's the focus, then the truth of God is put to the side of, well, what do we have to do to get, but what's the motive of getting more people? Is it, and I'm not saying you don't have a desire for more people to come to the knowledge of truth, but there's a selfish perspective. Well, we can't pay our bills if more people don't come. We can't pay our cost of internet or our cost of building or resources or, or salaries because we need more people to tithe and give. And no, we, we have everything we need uh, provided by God. And it, we're not dependent on man. That's the thing. We're dependent upon Yah. We have everything we need. We actually have more abundance than you could ever even imagine with the spiritual abundance anyway. But it just came to mind the fact of that if people mention numbers, it's a selfish perspective. Well, we could see the word that when Peter preached, you know, so many were added to their number. Well, was Peter like, yeah, that's right. And we're going to add more numbers. It was about, oh, well, good. You, you believe in the truth of God, then continue to stay with us. But it said he warned them of other things to come and, and stuff like that. So it wasn't like he was like, yeah, that's right. Because of me, we've got 10,000 people here today. And that's the thing, man boasts their numbers. Like we've got 50,000 members. You have 50,000 members, but if the pastor leaves, 
it takes you multiple years to get somebody to take over. Like you don't have enough confidence in people listening to your message that somebody else could step up and lead. You've got to go outside and get somebody. Is that really the way that should be? And we know the answer to that. Yeah. Messiah didn't say, okay, when I'm gone, you go find a godly person to come in and fill my shoes. Somebody who's going to be just like, no, he was teaching them to be like him so they could do uh, the job. And it's, it's just huge. And the, one of the issues is that you have to look for, and you have to see the division. See, if you're not looking for it, then it's kind of that out of sight, out of mind thing. You start to feel good about what what you're doing, and you got this gathering or this Bible study or whatever. And but then you start to look at other people, and they start to divide. One of the reasons we've been able to maintain for 14 years of doing what we're doing is because it's based in the truth of God one, but it's based in the concept of unity that we're not going to tolerate divisions. We will, if there's a question about something, we will address the question and we will discover the truth about it, but we will not have divisions. And if we have divisions, then we will expel somebody from the gathering. We've done it before, not with ill intention, but, We've done it before, and that's the the hard line that you have to be willing to take. And when we talk about the numbers, Messiah's words, only few will enter in. So is there a greater uh, perspective that if you have 300 members compared to the nine that we have does that mean the church with the 300 is the true church of god because they have 300 members and we only have nine because i would much rather like paul said i would much rather speak one word of truth of god than to speak a thousand words in tongues that i would much rather for us to have a small group of people that are learning the truth about God than a large group of people who are learning to continually be divided and separated with the context and pretense that we're not supposed to be separated and divided. And it's, it's a sad state for what they call the church. And it is no church of all uh, at all, not the church of God, because the church of God is intended to be unified and we will continue as long as I live, the objective goal of the gathering we have is going to be, and I'm sure you have the same mindset that it's going to be about unity. And it's not the fact that somebody can't question something that, okay, we're going to talk it out and we're going to see what the the word of God says, and we're going to see what God themselves say. And then, what they conclude with us, that's what we're going to agree on, and we agree 100%. And that's going to be anybody who has circumcision of the heart will agree on these things that we're talking about, just as we will agree with them on things that they talk about. And they may talk about things that are a little bit different. 
So it's just a, uh, this is a, was one that just mother gave to me uh, later on in the evening last night to just, well, let's talk about the divisions that are out there so that people who are seeking God with all of their heart will start to dig in. And this is, I challenge anybody that listens to this, that's seeking with all of their heart to really evaluate whatever gathering you're a part of and look for, are the people really unified? Are they really in a place of, uh, where they're, they're not backstabbing and talking behind somebody's back and doing those things. And if you start seeing that and you start seeing divisions, then you have an opportunity to say, wait a minute, the word of God says that we're supposed to have a bond of unity. We're not supposed to be divided. So we either have to figure out how to be unified together or we're not going to stand. And see, here's the thing. We have different denominations, and those denominations are standing right now. Yes, they are. But when they stand before God, every single one of those denominations will be cast away. Did you follow my truth? Yes or no? And at that point, they'll know. No, we didn't. Okay. Off to, off to the abyss you go. And it's sad. We don't say these things like, yeah, that's right, because it, no. It, it's sad because there are a lot of people who are deceived in the realities of truth of God, but because God has been so muddied down uh, the, the truth of God, God has been made out to be this soft uh, teddy bear that will just form, you just kind of like a beanbag chair. You just sit in it and it just forms to whatever it is that you want you like. No. God is like a rigid, hardback uh, dinner table chair where you find your comfort in sitting in it for many years and then you get comfortable with it. Where the reality is, is we want people to start looking for the divisions. And if you see divisions, get away from it. Just like Messiah said, when you see the... Uh, abomination yeah, that causes desolation. Right. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, flee from it. Well, if you see anything that speaks against the truth of God, then get away from that group. Get away from that thing and find a way, even if you have to do it on your own for a time with God, that's much better for you to be one-on-one -on -one with God than you to be one with 300. One with God is much better. So numbers don't matter, and we know that the greatest number of people aren't going to make it in. Our plea is that if you really want to be in the kingdom of God, make sure you're seeking God with all of your heart. And that factor, you will discover the things of God, and then you just have to move through it. But in that process, you will have to renounce things in your life that you thought were right, but you've made a decision that oh, now I recognize that there's too many divisions here, and I'm going to figure this out. So. 
Uh, Sean, do you have anything else? No, I just wanted to, uh, it just came to mind with what came to mind with you with the division to just how mother will beautifully put this together. We just talked about pledge of a good conscience. Well, how can you make a pledge with good knowledge if you don't know that what you've been doing is in division to God to do when you realize that you're not unified with God, then you can, now I'm going to with good knowledge. So this is just more information to be able to eventually make a pledge with good knowledge. Cause this is good knowledge. All right. Well, that'd be a good stopping point for this morning. And we will be back again on Tuesday evening, God willing for another podcast. We'll see what mother brings up for us to talk about and, We encourage people, one, that if you listen to these podcasts and you like them, that you would share them on your social media page. Um, If uh, you have any questions, uh, you feel free to comment us if you want to, if you're local to us and you want to experience what the uh, gathering is about, um, just contact us and we'll talk about it and set it up and uh, we're always looking to talk to people who have a heart to want to know the truth of God. And we are more than willing to sit down and have conversations and ask questions and answer questions uh, to those that are willing that want to know. So for the, this morning, uh, we will finish out and look forward to the rest of the week and then look forward to Tuesday when we're going to have the opportunity again to just share more truth about the word of God and the truth of God. Everybody have a good weekend and we'll be back.